0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: The Talk Sport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome to the Cottage Talk Post Match Show. I'm Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen in the lower secret square and in the right hand square is my friend Claire Parrish, who has not been with us for a long time. I want to welcome Claire back. Claire, I'm going to go to you first. Welcome back to Cottage Talk. I look forward to talking to you about this nil-nil draw. How are you doing?
3: Hi, Ross. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad I saw your text this time. I know I missed one a few weeks ago from you, and I was like, damn it. Um, (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm good, thanks, myself. And, um, yeah, you, you know, as a Fulham supporter, I'm feeling crazy at the moment, so all is well.
2: Okay. Very good. All right. Max, I'm going to go to you first. I want to get Mad Max's opening thoughts on this uh, nil-nil draw. We had full time and, uh, you know, again, I thought Emilia and I had a very good discussion on it. It's been over 24 hours since then. Max, what's your opening thoughts on what happened yesterday?
0: Yeah. First off, just good to have Claire on the show. It's always nice to it's have. It's great you. to have Claire on the show. You're welcome. So welcome. I think you know we've become a team that's we're not used to. You know we're struggling for goals, but we can keep goals out at the other end. And I think the last goal from open play we conceded was against Man City at the that's end.
2: That's crazy to think about that.
0: And but that was is. I think over 400 minutes of, of football ago, and our goal difference at this stage it's minus 10. You know, at the same stage last season, I'm looking at the stats here it was minus 21 in the last Premier League season. <laughs> What a difference. Play. Yeah, and, and we were dead last in the league then with nine points. And right now, you know, we're 18th, um, and it's a marginal improvement. But I think the big thing here is that we become a well-drilled defensive unit who's actually struggling for any creativity in the attacking third. And remember, start of the season, we are conceding goals in the first 10 minutes almost regularly. That's right. For the past, you know, couple of Premier League seasons, we had goal differences at the end of the season, like minus 50, minus 60. We're the stocks of the league, shipping goals left and right, individual errors left and right in the back. The fact that we've sorted that out is a massive improvement. We are a team who can hang with, I think, the best in the division. We showed that with the last Liverpool matches and Southampton. This is a good side. It's a very
2: work. good side. It's not just a good side. It's a very good
0: side. The flip side of that is that's not enough at this stage of the season. Right now, we're in a relegation fight and we're in the relegation zone. The teams around us are playing just as well, if not better, guys. And, and that's the big takeaway for me is that you okay. see Brighton get a point from West Ham. We lost at the London Stadium. We see West Bromwich Albion going away to Anfield getting a point. Burnley, they lost to Leeds, but they're picking up wins, you know, quite regularity the past couple of weeks. We can't depend on anyone else to be poor at this stage of the season. You know, even Sheffield United is playing better. They almost got a point this against Everton, got a point against Brighton. We have to keep up our performance and we have to get a creative player in January, a striker. Yeah. That's my main thing is because we have to applaud what stork Gray, Parker, and Matt Wells have done with the defense. The fact that we can now keep clean sheets at home is unbelievable. It, it's fantastic, Max. But the nil-nils aren't going to cut it. So I think just to sum it up at the end, because I know I'm going on a bit here. Oh, that's okay. the, the nil-nil draw against Southampton is a great result in my opinion. People have become pessimistic but they're pessimistic about what happened against Brighton and Newcastle, which is very fair. We dropped points there. There's no doubt about that.
2: I think there's a different level
0: what you're talking about. So yeah, draws against teams like Southampton, that will keep us up. But we have to turn the draws against Brighton, Newcastle, et cetera, into wins. So we should be happy after this performance, but realize against the teams around us, we have to win. But I'm not worried about a nil-nil draw against Southampton. I'm delighted with this.
2: Okay. And before I go to Claire, I'm going to go right back to you. Because what you're talking about, is something that I think is very key and very important. We didn't have the foundation two seasons ago defensively. They have that now. You can build upon that. Now, going forward, I completely agree with you. It's toothless. It's disjointed. And in the final third, it just isn't good enough. So that is the next part of their game that needs to connect to the defensive part. But if you don't have the defensive part, I think you go down regardless. So I think the strides have already been there. Now you have to take what you've built, this foundation, and build on it. Would you agree with me on that, Max? Because, again, I don't think this team is nearly as bad as they were two seasons ago because we have this foundation, and then I'll go to Claire.
0: Yeah, and that's it. I think it's much easier to have a defensive, solid defense with an underperforming attack than the other way around. Exactly. And, and that's as simple as that. I think you can buy more attacking players. You can, I think you can, it's easier to coach creativity in my opinion than it is to coach away individual errors. Cause we saw, you know, 2018, 19 season. There's nothing we could do about it. We're like, not saying the, constant, the individual yeah, errors. I'm glad that you're bringing yeah. that up. And that's much harder to deal We're with. We're not saying so those anymore. And yeah, as you said, every single survival foundation, you know, it's a cliche, but it's don't ship goals. If you no, they don't. Keep it tight. Kind of like the Burley method. Right. But again, we need that burst of creativity. And, and it's kind of amazing that we're having this conversation um, with our leading scorer for the past, you know, two and a half seasons, Agda you know, <laughs> on the bench and, and looking a shadow of his former self. That's the kind of crazy part. We never worried about goals in the sense of we always had a goal score. We that's always right. had a number nine and we have him, but he doesn't fit the system or he's not on form or I don't think he's fully fit. So that's a big concern for me.
2: Okay. Very good. Claire, over to you. Feel free to, share your thoughts on what Max and myself just shared, and then give us your opening thoughts on the match against uh, Southampton.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I largely, um, agree with, with Max actually. Um, you know, I, and, and you're quite positive, Max, and I think rightly so. And, and, you know, one thing that you, you find on, um, social media is if we're shipping in goals left, right, and centre, no one's happy, obviously, because it's frankly embarrassing. Um, and if if we're not scoring, people are fuming with that as well, because you know you don't score. Um, but I, I, you know, Matt, I, I agree with you that um, it, you, you get a, a decent striker to bang a few in, and we're we're we're, we're mid-table, you know, in in by the, by a click of the finger. Um, you know, I mean, I I think one of the things that is for me is is um a real standout. No disrespect to Rodak because I think he was great, but Ariola oh, between them posts for us, I think. Oh, you know, I, I do firmly believe that if you have faith, confidence, trust in your keeper, you see a better midfield. You see a better defence. Because he he is a lead at back for, um, and I I just feel that there's just more sort of faith, there's more trust in the team, there's more sort of unity with each other. That there's none none of this panicking, running around like headless chickens. You know, you know. Even a few a few games ago, there was those sort of like what the hell moments. You could see it on the players' faces. You know, it was like what what was that? What did you do that for? Sort of thing. Um, you know, not so many games ago we were in that position, like you say, when we were letting in uh, those embarrassing amounts of goals in the first, what, five minutes. Um, I really do think there's a lot of positivity. I will admit to uh, falling asleep on the sofa watching some of, um, was it the new, oh God, what game was it? I'll have to look it up on my phone. You'll have to excuse me. My, I have the worst memory in the world. I'm really the worst person to be <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's okay. Claire. On
3: your show, um, let me just have a look on my phone. Was it the Newcastle game? It could have been the Brighton match too. It it could have been. Maybe it was both. And I think maybe it's a bit <laughs> of Christmas tiredness. You know, you you're winding down for Christmas. And far too much food and drinks being it, and all of the rest of it. But there was certainly five minutes in. It was either the Brighton or the Newcastle match where I fell asleep for five minutes. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, it's not old age. It's not. No. But, um, <laughs> you know, there are moments where you just sort of nod off because it can get a little bit boring watching us, I'd say, sometimes. You know, we're, yes, we're solid on the defence and that is lovely to see because, quite frankly, it has been embarrassing, um, you know, when you're leaking in so many and yeah. early doors well but um you know i i think we yeah we're not setting the world alight with you know two three nils or anything but i can really see that coming and i i really can see us being a team that people are going to start looking at and thinking i don't want to play them this weekend oh
2: i think that's already on the horizon yeah And, and if i'm spurs i'm actually thinking about that i'm thinking you know what this is not going to be a team that we played two seasons ago. It's not the same Mm. team. And I've already been telling people that. And I actually did a video for last word on Spurs. That's one of the things I said. I said, if you are expecting the team from two seasons ago, you're not going to see that team. Mm. You are not going to see that team. We're different. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I think that teams that are thinking that this is going to be an easy three points, they are going to be sadly mistaken. And I think that's a lot of credit to Parker, the players, Claire and, uh, I agree with you. I think we're headed in the right direction. And yes, I think we need reinforcements, but I still believe that once this team gels, that there will be some more goals, but it is hard to watch at times. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that. And I'm just going to share this because I think it was the Brighton match. And here's a comment. Brighton was dire. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I have a feeling it was, it was, either, like you said, either that or the Newcastle. I have a feeling it might've been the Brighton match because the Brighton match, at times was not that great but no good stuff from you Claire and um, Max I want to go back to you because I got this interesting comment because you were starting to talk about what we need to do so here's an interesting question from Brian Lake I'm going to put you on the spot <laughs> who would you sign Max if you were Tony here we go you're
0: Tony Khan <laughs> yeah um, I think obviously would you do I'll be looking towards a championship, I think, for, for strikers. Really? I, mean, that's, I think that's a probably good idea to do in January when you might, you don't have to break the bank, hopefully, and you can get someone who might fit our system in the Premier League. I think Josh King is the one that's always thrown about. Um, that's one I'd be in favor of. You know, you look at the top goal scorers in the championship right now. It's Adam Armstrong from Blackburn. I'd be happy with Tony from Brentford. He'd be quite good. Yep. But again, I don't know if they're available. I don't know if they'd sell. But well, that's the
2: whole thing. They it, I, don't, I
0: don't envy Tony Khan's job at all. Um, and I actually want to give him a lot of credit actually because you know people have remarked, as I have in the past, Adderabio, Anderson, Areola, Robinson, Aina, right? And the entire back four is new and a bunch of them are loans. And then I think Anderson, sorry, Adderabio and Robinson are both under two million pounds, permanent signings. Unbelievable, right. unbelievable signings. Again, they came four matches too late for most of them and gave us that kind of – everyone else had a head start in us, and that's why we're in this position. But, yes, yeah, of course, we need a new striker. Uh, Dwight Gale is one that's been thrown about. don't know if he's a bear or a <laughs> let's, let's
2: just throw him out there for the 1,000th time. What's oh, the yeah, he's he got a goal. Claire knows I'm right. How many times have we been linked, Claire, to
0: um,
3: Dwight Gale? It feels like for about 35 years we've been linked with him. <laughs>
2: I agree. Claire. I totally agree. But, but I understand why Max is bringing that up. But the funny thing about it is that I think that ship has sailed to be honest with you. And I don't think Newcastle are going to sell him to us. I I don't see that happening, but I see where you're going. You know, I definitely see where you're going and, and I wouldn't be against a championship striker, but I would want something different. And Claire, you know, it's funny. Again, we, we are going to talk about the match, but since someone brought this up, when you look at Fulham and you look at, what we need moving forward, we have Mitro, right? We have a goal scorer, but I think what we need is something different than Mitro, mm. someone that actually has a little pace that maybe can run onto the ball a little bit and run the channels, maybe change things up a little bit. So, what are your thoughts about that? You know, you know, uh, what would you, you know, I hate to put you in the shoes of Tony, but I'm going to put you in the shoes of Tony. What would you do?
3: Um, I don't know. But I was kind of dreading the whole sort of striker Mitro thing coming up today because I'm not so keen on Mitro. And I was dreading it oh, coming up okay. because I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get hate mail now. No, no,
2: you're not going to get hate mail.
3: <laughs> I, I'm not a fan. I'm okay. really not. When he was driving the goals in left, right and centre, of course I was a fan. But for me, I don't know. There's just something not clicking there for me right now with him not just you know obviously it can't be helped when he's only coming on in the 83rd 85th minute or what have you Can't really warm up right. to a game in those short spells but I don't know what it is I said it at the end of last season I just pick up a vibe from Mitro and I I just don't know what it is there seems to be a disconnect for me and I think I've said it before on here maybe but I, um, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd love for Mitro to come good and, you know, him start and him him score. But I do think we need someone who can, as an out-and-out striker, who can do a bit more running around than Mitro yeah. does. I really do believe that. Um, uh but you know as far as names and plays go I wouldn't have the first clue who I think would be suitable for our setup I'll be honest with you I, I, I just don't know and I'm not even going to pretend Claire, I do. <laughs> Claire that's okay
2: but Max going back to you, you know and I'm, gonna, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we're talking about I'm quite glad that Claire is being honest you know not, not a fair fan of Mitro and um I want Mitro to stay at home I just think they need an alternative meaning that there are a couple of different styles of FOMA playing right now. And when they play this style, like they've been played in the last match, I think they need someone with a little bit more pace, but they also need, they need a better version of Cavalero. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll put it to you that way. Cavallero can't finish. They need a finisher. They need someone that can actually finish. Would you agree with that? Because I, I wouldn't want a prototypical Metro type of, you know, you know, uh, you know, basically a hold up striker, you know, you know, again, that's not what they need. They need someone, I think, that, like I said, has a little pace and that can play th- this counter-attacking style. You know, someone like, a, I hate to use, use this person, someone like a Jamie Vardy. You're not going to get Jamie Vardy, but do, do you understand where I'm going on that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think and there might be a reason that Mitrovic never actually made the move away from us when perhaps he could have. I think it's not the Premier League style anymore to have players like him, unfortunately, you need someone who can press. He can be running 90 minutes. He's a bit more mobile, can make runs in behind. And yeah, I, I see what Claire's saying about, about Mitrovic. You know, I love him because I think he single-handedly got promoted almost, you know, two seasons in a row, in my opinion. Yep. So, and, and he's someone who's loyal. I think he definitely could have left at oh, times. Oh, Chose to stay, and not many players, you know, stay with us after allegations and then kind of work our way up. So that's laudable. And I think he's always putting the shift for us. I think, there's, I think there's something wrong now. I don't think he's fit, in my opinion. I found this conversation on Twitter yesterday. Yep. I said, he's just not match fit. He can't start. And then the person replied, I think it was actually a Tony. He said, not Tony Khan, Tony Gold. He said, um, <laughs> you're know, not going to get match fit playing 10 minutes off the bench. And I, I was like, I agree. But oh, he's he 100%, right. yeah. 100% right. Tony's 100% right. Tony Gold. Mitch Rich was was poor. You know, wasn't was it, was it himself. And I think Mitrovic, if he's playing, like we know he can play, which is getting the end of crosses, he can get involved in the build-up play. He can yep. draw defenders to him and give space to other players. That Mitrovic would be fantastic. And I still think he has a role to play. I think he does, too. But this Mitrovic, who's slow and uninterested, and honestly, the biggest critique I have is he's not even getting in the box with with regularity. Yep, that's not the Mitrovic we need. And that's why I agree we need a striker. Definitely mm. someone a bit more pacey. Okay. A lot of people have opinions. You know, Who's realistic? That's one thing we don't really know. Um, and it's January. So January is always going to pop up. I wish we'd get Ryan Bobble of two years ago back. Someone said that. I couldn't agree more. He was a signing I was delighted with at the time. People kind of laughed at it. I knew he'd come good for us. Well, we have so, a
2: comment yeah. from Ralph Leach. We <laughs> Ryan Babel back.
0: Why not? Well, he loves the club. He's always commenting on Instagram. Every single post, he's saying, call on the lads. He's putting in a very big public... Uh, public show for it so get him in <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay very good guys let's move on and let's get into the match now okay so let's actually talk about before the match and um claire i'll go to you first thoughts on when you saw the starting 11 about an hour before the match were you happy with uh how foam were set up against southampton yeah
3: yeah i was i mean i haven't really got much to add to that ross i, I think you know it, it was a strong it was a strong I, I was more than happy with that start-up, to be honest with you. I think um, Scott still is he's doing a little bit of tinkering here and there. You know, there are, there, there are, I suppose, you could look at certain opportunities that were maybe missed. There was that Cavalero opportunity. Yep. You think, you know, another player could have probably scored that. Um, so, you know, I think there, there are questions about who should start up up front, you know, who, who should who should start as as the more attacking players. Right. But generally, more than happy, more than happy. Like, you know, we said earlier, it, it, we're, we're quite a solid team at the moment. And, right. and I think that we should be delighted with that as Fulham fans.
2: No, I totally agree, Claire, because when you look at the starting 11, it's not flashy, except if, if you want to say Adam O'Lookman is a little bit flashy. But you know what? It's solid. It's Mm, solid. mm. Even Cavalero with all of his faults and not really being a finisher, he's still solid. You know, Mm. it's, it's a team. Mm. When I saw the starting 11, when you look at it, it's a team. Okay. Mm. It might not be, it's not a, a top 10 team, a mid table team, but it's a team. And that to me is, it goes back to the foundation. Max, what were your thoughts when you saw the starting 11?
0: Yeah, I think um, obviously no Lamina, so Reed came in. Yep. I thought he did an all right job. Uh, I still think we missed, missed Lamina a bit, but wasn't too bad of a deputy. And then there was a lot of conversations going on in my group chats about Loftus Cheek starting ahead of Carney. Yes, I actually tried to play a bit of the uh, Dell's advocate, and I said, "Hey, I don't have a problem with Loftus Cheek as much." You know, obviously he's been a disappointment in many senses, but I was saying, "Listen, back in the Liverpool match, which was our best performance, I thought he was very good." I think he was physical in midfield, won the ball back, played a couple through balls to Cavalera. So I said, give him a chance. I don't think he did enough for me against Southampton. I would like to see Kearney in the next couple of matches because I know we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, but yep. you think what did Candy do to deserve being dropped per se? Because he had that West Brom match, which I thought he was man of the match and his best performance of the season. I think he played all right in other matches this season as well. Not as good, but he hasn't. Really, honestly, start. he started against Newcastle wasn't amazing, but I still think we need more creativity. And the team that's struggling for goals, you shouldn't be dropping your club captain, creative midfielder, match in, match out. That, that to me is worrying. So oh, okay. I want to see, I want to see more creativity. Far from that, you know, the meet you on the bench was the other big thing. But as you said, Ross, it, it's a team, and it's essentially the same team that you know had that good result against Liverpool and Leicester. And when you get a team, you know, you stick with it. That's, That's one of the right. lessons we learned. You can't chop and change every match. So.
2: No, and, and it's funny because because the team, like you said, if you talk about maybe a few changes from each match into, say, each style that Parker wants to play. And first of all, I I thought Mario Lamina was, was not just a, a little loss. I thought he was a huge loss. Uh, I, I I thought you could see the difference. Nothing against Harrison Reed; I, I just don't think he got the job done. I think we really missed Myro Lamina, and I think he's more creative than some might give him credit for, Max. So I think that was actually, believe it or not, I think that was a glaring loss. not ha- And again, that was out of no one's control. But when you look at it, and I looked at the lineup, yeah, yes, I was I was fine with it. I, I was fine with it. But the thing about Kearney, Max, and Claire, and I'm curious your view on this too, I think part of it, ha- I, I truly believe this is tactical, Max. He wants to play a certain way against the Liverpools and the Southamptons, and he wants pacey players. Kearney doesn't fit that bill, and I think that's why he keeps going with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I could be wrong, but I truly believe it's purely tactical. And then you'll see him against Newcastle because we're more on the front foot. We're more creative. I think it's a style and a tactical issue, Max, why we're not seeing enough of Kearney.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I think it's totally good analysis. It's tactical Parker wants that. Quicker style of play that he thinks Loftus-Cheek right. can and offer and he just more aggressive. fit that. But again, I think Loftus-Cheek in attacking positions does not do enough for me. And everyone's not going to disagree thing. with that either. Yeah, no, You're so not. I'm saying I can see the rationale, but Parker should be smart enough to realize that Loftus-Cheek does not deserve a starting place in this team as of now. He's not done enough. Now, coming off the bench as an impact sub, Loftus-Cheek can be an impact sub much better than Candy Can, right? Yes, absolutely. Saw he's already everything. shown it. He's, so, he's already yeah.
2: demonstrated it. <sighs>
0: And I think canny can play that quicker, more forward-thinking style of play. He has it in him. We haven't seen it as much as we wanted to, but I think, I don't know. I think the team needs to be built around Kearney in, in many ways in, in the sense that he's your captain and when he's playing well, the team's playing well. You know, we've known this for seasons now. Well, we've said that for he's a while. And we know that. That's another thing. But I think Parker needs to place more faith in him because so much of what we're complaining about, which is a lack of attacking opportunities, no goals. Kearney can be a big... You know, reason to, to change that, I think. I agree with that, Max. But I,
2: again, I go back to how Parker is trying to play against the opponent. And I think he's looking at it in certain ways. I, I think he's saying to himself, okay, against Newcastle, I can play Kearney. But then there are situations, and there was one major situation where you needed Kearney to be quicker, and he wasn't quick enough to get to the ball. Again, there was one situation where he was open, and he just could not get there quick enough. And I think that. Unfortunately, in the way that Parker wants to play, even though it's conservative in many ways, he does want them to be brave at times. And at times, I don't. Again, I like Kearney. I think against certain opponents, I, I I think he could be fantastic. But I think against other opponents, I can see why I can see why Parker is doing what what he's doing. But again, going back to Ruben Loftus Cheek, I agree with, with the. uh People really uh, getting after him because he's not living up to what we thought he would be, Max. Claire, he's not the player that we had hoped to have seen coming from Chelsea. And Mm -hmm. And I think that might also be part of the problem is that our expectations were high. And I'll use this as an example, Max, from another sport. He's basically a top 10 draft pick. Think of it that way. And he's not living up to that standard. He's not yeah. bad, but he's not living up to that. Well,
0: was, I think it's even worse than that because you know, okay. draft is someone unproven. This guy's played in the World Cup. This guy's played for Palace <laughs> yeah, in a survival a campaign, done super. This is someone who's come, well, who's played at Chelsea on one of the best teams in England. He shouldn't be doing this for us. Yep. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into psychoanalysis, but this is kind of a lone player issue. you Sometimes have. I don't yep. think he's as motivated as our players might be. Uh, he's 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 a disappointment so far, and I think. Carney needs to be in that position, in that center midfield position a bit more.
2: Okay, very good. All right. Coming up, I'm going to talk to the guys about the first half and the second half, and we'll end with man of the match. Okay, guys, let's now get into the match a little bit. And uh, Max, I'll, I'll go with to you, talk about some key moments in the first half. And let's just start with, with the beginning of the match. Fulham actually had a decent opportunity, but unfortunately... Adam O'Luckman's shot was blocked. But then you have this moment, Max, and let's talk about this in the first half because I really want to talk about how toothless Fulham can be because there were opportunities here.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. The 25th minute, again, the missed kick by Anguiza, and it was actually a great ball from Lickman and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This was actually a good opportunity. Let's talk about this because I think this is what we've been talking about, really, that it's just not all coming together.
0: Yeah, that's actually, I think the best thing Loftus-Cheek did all match was that really nice ball from the right wing, went across everybody, but Lookman did well to salvage it, put the cup back uh, to uh, Angisa. and I think Anguissa, we haven't talked about him yet, I think he was man of the match for me, he was okay. excellent all I over the pitch, he's, he's really just impressed me so much this season, mm. terrible miss, M- miss of the match, and when you're in that position, as a midfielder, I know he's a holding midfielder, yep. but you have to have your shooting boots on. And just to completely whiff it, it was a really big let off because we felt that we were in the ascendancy of that t- part of the match. And I think, you know, people talk about the attack, being toothless, et cetera. Totally true. Yep. But I don't think it was a case that we were playing negative, right? When you see a nil-nil no, at No, I don't think we were
2: think, playing negative. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. But I think when people see a nil-nil at home, they see not as many shots on target as we would have liked, and they go full and just kind of snap back. But we were very forward thinking that first 20, Absolutely, minutes. Absolutely, we were. I playing really well, agree, Max. But I think they're the two issues, right? We don't really have a focal point in the middle, like a Mitrovic or a Mitrovic-like player. So in a lot of instances, the ball gets wide, and there's no one really to cross to. Or You're putting a cross, and it gets cleared easily. And then you have the situations where there's a kind of cutback, and you play to your midfielders making deep runs, and they don't really have the finishing skills you'd like of them. So it kind of goes across the attack, I think, is the issue. Um, okay. But I'm glad we're talking about that first period of the first half, because we were the better side.
2: We were the better side at that yeah. point, Max.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, got to take your chances. Cliché, but when you're on top in the Premier League, you can't let those those periods go by without scoring.
2: Right, and that's why I'm glad that we're talking about this opportunity. The Inge's missed kick because I think this was, you know, again, when you're in the ascendancy, you need to be scoring here and you need to at least get that shot on target. And, and it was a whiff, you know, and that to me was a, a disappointment. All right, Claire, I'm going to go right back to you because actually I think this is something that you're going to like to talk about, okay? Let's talk about the James Ward-Prowse free kick. Mm. And, and uh, we have to give Ariola a credit here because when you watch it back, because at first glance I, I thought that he didn't do anything on this. He actually got some fingertips on this and, and probably made the difference. So let's yeah. talk about this because, again, I was scared – throughout the match whenever they would get a free kick any you know a corner anything i, I was afraid because i know of james ward process deadly so mm. i got proven right here because this was inches from being a goal but again our goalkeeper stepped up big so your thoughts on on what was going through your mind when you were watching him take this and mm. then what happened after that because again the ball drops right in fr- in front of of a Southampton player, and uh, um, I think it was, Ch- it was it was Adams, right?
3: Yeah, it was. Yeah,
2: and and uh, you know, it's funny because I, I've heard about how wonderful the spin is on James Ward Prowse's free kicks. I think it actually backfired on him here because I think the spin spun away from um, from Adams there. But what are your thoughts here? What was going through your mind watching this?
3: Yeah, well, I'm not, I mean, I must admit, I've Uh, I will say quite honestly again I've had the most horrendous few months with work so my knowledge of uh, premiership footballers outside of the Fulham FC team has been quite limited just because I have had no time I was honestly working 18 20 hour days up until a few weeks Uh ago. So honestly, I don't tend—I haven't tended to do the homework on my, you know, players' opposition, what have you. But this Prowse chap, I—I've, you know, heard about these deadly free kicks and all the rest of it. As soon as he, as soon as I saw that, I felt well—that you know—that that's the goal straight away. Um, you know, and and Matt, you said about Anguissa being your man of the match. My man of the match is our man between the sticks, <laughs> not just for that save, but just because I think he's solid. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that's what gives you confidence is when you see. That's a great
2: point, yes.
3: You see that and you think, "Flipping neck, you know, that would have been such a... So, so, you would have respected that as a goal. You know, you would have right. thought, our keeper didn't really have a chance with that. Um, if it had, you know, if it had gone in. The the fact that he was able to get to that I and... It saved us quite a few times in the game. I thought not just on that occasion, but there were a few times. But um, I, I honestly thought that um, there, there were times when I thought maybe Southampton deserved the win, uh, deserved to win the game, going through the, pay, the, the uh, motions of the second half. But right. actually, on reflection, I think you know the, the score was fair. I think the score was
2: fair. I agree. Yeah, with I,
3: I think we did enough to get that point. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think, you know, I, I I don't think that we go into the next game um, with any fear at all. With what we saw in, in in the game just gone, I don't think we have anything to fear against any, any team at the moment. I, and that's what's I crazy,
2: Claire. And that, again, is the takeaway for me. The talking point is... Fulham shouldn't fear anyone, yeah they should not fear anyone at this point, and yeah. that's crazy to say they should, yeah. they really shouldn't fear anyone because they yeah. can play with anyone. They keep yeah. showing it over and over again yeah but but yeah. but let's talk about this a little bit more because I'm glad that we're yeah. talking about Ariola because this goes back to the foundation Claire, and mm. talking about having a goalkeeper like this mm. it feeds off of everyone else because once you have once you know you have someone at that level. Well, then yeah. your back four is, or in this case, back five is going to have a little bit more belief because they know that the guy behind them is going to do his job. Then they just can do their job. Yes. So I think it actually, I think part of what's been going on defensively is it starts with Areola. And then you can, you can add obviously Anderson at bio and I'll put mm. Ana in there as well. But mm. I think, I think it's all working in unison but I think it yeah. all begins with Ariola. Do you agree with me? I that agree.
3: Quite? I do agree and I think Ariola he, he's taking on quite a um a leadership role I think. Yes. I, I really do. I think he's quite leader, you know, he's not afraid to to conduct. Um and and you know, I Anderson, I think again, is is quite a leader. And to me, they've Anderson in particular for for quite a few um, games now has shown more leadership to me than Kearney has. Um, you know, when when Kearney's been captain, yep. um, I, and you know, I like to see that leadership. Maybe it's because I'm a bossy man myself, and <laughs> 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 I like to think of myself as a bit of a leader. Um, but, I, you know, I like to see that leadership. I like to no, see. No, you can tell. You can see that. Chores, yeah. You know, I, I like to see that. I like to see people go, you know, on, on that pitch. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it.
2: No- I'm going to say this, the new brother, I'm going to say it. He's he's brother Hanglin. I'm going to say
3: yeah. it. Yeah. He's yeah. our brother
2: Hanglin now. Yeah. He's not good. Yeah.
3: I like that, you know, it's just positive. It's good to see that passion, but it's good to see people with a level head that aren't afraid to, I think, I don't know. And again, people are probably going to shoot me. But, um, you know, with Kearney, I feel like sometimes with Kearney, he wants to be everyone's friend and doesn't want to shout and scream a bit. Whereas I'm finding now with with Anderson and um, Areola, they're, they're, you know, quite happy to shout and scream a bit well, they're vocal leaders people.
2: there are different types yeah. of leaders they're more vocal yeah. and, and i gravitate towards the more vocal leaders that's yeah. how i i'm wired so i understand yeah. i understand why you're going on that quick because it sounds like you're somewhere too and it's not that kearney isn't a, a leader it's just that he's just a different type of leader but i understand yeah. why you're feeling the way that you're feeling but it's the confidence the confidence mm. starts at the back and it goes to the defense and then it can go further up front, but again, it goes back to the foundation. Max, I want to go to you because do, yeah. you, do you agree with Clara, yeah. and me that really, when you talk about the confidence in form and the way foam are building this foundation, it actually begins with
0: Ariola. 100%. He's a player. What? He's played for PSG. He was on loan around Madrid. It's a great pedigree. Mm. I, mean, I know he didn't play much around Madrid, but I mean, he played a, I think a couple seasons for PSG and when they won the league or in the champions league, He's like a better version of Sergio Rico uh, in that yeah. regard. And I think Claire's right. When you have confidence in your keeper, the whole team feels it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, again, say what you want about the James Ward-Prowse free kick. You know, it was a wonderful free kick. He did get fingertips on it. But it just – it shows you it, – it. actually, just another example of how great he's been the entire season. Mm. That's all. It's just mm. an example. 100%. It's an example of what he has done – and the confidence that he has in, in, in his own abilities to, to do that. But like I said, he leads from the back, and that actually spreads throughout the team. It starts with him, and I, I'm convinced of that now.
0: Mm. All right.
2: All right, guys. Good stuff. All right. So when we get to the half, Claire, what were your thoughts at halftime? Um,
3: I think my thoughts at halftime were mostly – If we can play like this for another 45 minutes, I think we can get something. And also, I'm going to crack me open a nice cold cider. (laughs) Those were my thoughts.
2: (laughs) Oh, Claire. I I love you, Claire. You're awesome. I love you,
0: Claire.
2: Max, what was going through your mind at halftime? Are we
0: not going to talk about the penalty call? Oh, so, I think um, we were completely wrong. I think mean, a Southampton player elbowed the ball in the okay. area.
2: Okay, you're right. You're right. Hand, Max, you're right. I, I, no, actually, relax, relax.
0: I pulled the Goldman. So I'm I not mad yell. at you. I'm mad at the ref. Don't worry. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm mad at the referee. It, people are making jokes on Twitter. It's like, what's the handball rule? If it's a handball, if a phone player hands it, hands it handles it, it's a handball. If it, if against, it, well, to it the needs phone, to be fine. consistent.
2: It's yeah, not it's consistent.
0: That's all. I think the issue with that one is the center back or the defender. I don't know who it is for Southampton. They move it towards the ball, and I don't think it's directly on their side. I think that should be a penalty, and it wasn't checked for very long. And I don't blame you for missing no. it because it went by just like this. There is no long check. The referee seemed to make up his mind. That was really disappointing in my opinion, especially considering the Kamara decision, which I'm I'm always frustrated about because <laughs> if that's given, then I think we should have gotten the penalty against Southampton. There's it's not as you mentioned. Consistency is key. Apply the rule the same to everyone.
2: Well, we will talk about the argument that ANA was uh, on the similar level. You know, it could have gone that way too. In fact, I, I've heard uh, some announcers say that that was closer than ours. But who knows? You know, like you said, the handball rule is is uh, crazy. It's all over the place. There's no consistency with it, Max. I, I think that's your point. Okay, let's talk about the second half. What, what's, let's analyze the second half. And. I'll go back to you, Max, because I think this really talks about what we've been talking about throughout the show. It's the foundation defensively, but it's the final third is just a mess. So let's talk about in the 55th minute, Robinson's cross goes right to Cav. Max, he has to score here. This is horrific. This isn't bad. This is horrific. Let's talk about the miss from Cavalero here.
0: Yeah, I mean, he said it best. You got to score that. No one's within 10 yards of him in that in that area. He was by himself. Let's give Robinson credit, though. That was really great mm. work on the left wing, and we haven't talked about him as much today, but no. he's a tireless worker, and he's developing to a player I think we're all very proud of. Yes. I think he'll start for the U.S. national team for years to come, and there's no reason he can't be a full of, you know, fan favorite. Oh, the I way- totally agree. His effort is unbelievable, and if he can deliver that kind of service week in, week out, we're going to be very lucky because... My one criticism of him is in the final third. He needs third, to be more not, consistent with he's it. He's not as consistent. He's pretty yep. wayward. But the 1-2, the run up the left wing, they almost the entire pitch, and that ball first time. You saw Cavalera had that time. Just superb. But the thing about Cavalera is I almost wasn't angry because it's Cavalera. I'm expecting that. He's not someone who scores from open play. He's not someone who scores very much at all. And he you, you just never looked like scoring. The, the header, he just totally missed time. That wasn't even on target. Yep. That's a situation where... I could see Mitrovic putting that in easily. And I could see Mitrovic being in that area because, you know, we're talking all about all we want about we need a striker who can run in behind, we need a more pacey striker. But there's no reason Mitrovic cannot be in that position in the center of the box and head home from across. That's something which we were no, playing point. Mitrovic's strengths. An and listen, if Mitro starts and he scores that, it's a very different story we're having here. So
1: mm.
0: there's one okay. situation you can the pro Mitro case would be that he can get in that position. He'll score that. We're one nil up. We don't give up that lead.
2: Okay. All right. Well, let's move on and let's talk about some other moments in the second half. You have the – in a 66-minute read, has a shot that's easily saved. Then you have the nice save. Again, we're talking about Ariola. That's uh, Claire's man of the match. He makes another save off of uh, Shane Long. That was actually a, a nice fingertip save. He was fairly comfortable on that, but that was, a, that was another key save. But Claire – I want to go back to you because, again, uh, let's talk about – Max just talked about how Fulham should have had a penalty. Well, there was a situation similar to that with with Aina. And Aina, you know, it hits his arm. Mm. And uh, they actually stopped to take a look at it. And I was scared here because I I thought Mm. that – I really thought that VAR was going to screw us here. I I hate to say that because I thought that, well, they're going to VAR – it's definitely going to go against us here, but it didn't go against us. What was going through your mind when you were seeing them stop play and go to VAR for the situation with Ana with a ball hitting his, his arm? Or his body?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought straight away it's going to be a pen. Um, I, I just felt like it was. I honestly, without being political – I feel like the whole VAR thing is as s- makes as much sense as Boris Johnson. <sighs> okay tier one with you I really do you know one minute something's allowed the next minute it's not and then it is and if someone else does it it is and then if someone else does it it's not and to me again you know Russ you and I were talking just before we went live yep. about how exhausting 2020 has been oh, yes. that, you know and I feel the same with with var it's exhausting and <laughs> I just, I'd rather, I know this sounds like a cop out, but I'd rather not talk about it because I don't know whether it makes me angry, frustrated, or just plain confused, to be honest with you. (laughs) Okay.
2: Well, no, listen, I understand that, Claire. And what's interesting about it, I understand that you are confused by it, but I'm going to share this with you. And then I shared this on full time as well. Here's the flip side of this. This is because I am someone that believes that eventually they're going to get this right. And, and I believe that VAR was meant for the two situations that helped Fulham here. Two goals were disallowed because of VAR. So mm-hmm. we can talk about what's been wrong with VAR. This to me is what was intended for bringing in VAR. We're situations like this, because as Emil and I were talking about, Claire, if we're in the championship, we lose this match because both mm-hmm. those goals count. So yeah. I understand your frustration, this is the glimmer of hope that I'm giving you is mm. that they eventually fix all of the issues, but this is why I'm for VAR because of situations that actually helpful, because it was the right calls. He was both were offside. Even if it's a little offside, they were offside and the, uh, and the, again, they got it. They got the calls wrong. The, the ref and the officials got the linesman got the calls wrong. So, I would rather them get it right, and it actually worked the film's benefit here.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, when when they get it right, it, it's it's fair enough. It's just the lack of consistency. Oh, isn't I agree it? With that. Yeah. Um, you know that that's the problem. You know, and in five years' time, we're sitting here saying, "Oh, VAR is perfect now." Fair enough, <laughs> but you know, at the moment, it's just you know, um, it, it's just not. Working as it should be, um, and I must say the oh gosh, I can't remember which offside it was, but the the one where the Southampton player—I mean, it must have been his toe now offside. I felt like that was harsh. I really not okay. that I wanted them to score, you know. I didn't want that goal to hold, but I felt like it was harsh. And I know if the shoe was on the other foot and that was our toe now offside, I'd be flipping fuming. I really
2: yeah. would. <laughs> okay, well, well, fair enough, Claire. Fair enough, and I think that they need to make adjustments to VAR because, again, it, it does get so fine. I, I thought this was enough, but I understand what you're saying, that it can be seem like a toenail. Well, I, I agree with that. Okay, let's move on. Max, back over to you, and let's talk about Mitro coming on because this is a criticism that Emilio and I had, that he came on too late, Max. Mm. How could he affect the game so late here? And, you know, again, we could talk about that. Maybe he's not fit, but you don't give him enough time to affect the game. And he actually did have a shot late on in the game. What are your thoughts about, again, we're talking about decision-making. Emil and I were talking about about this. If we're going to praise Parker for some good decision-making, I know he's remote. He's still involved in these decisions. Why did he wait so long to bring him on?
0: Yeah, I think there must have been like a 20-minute delay in his service on, on the FaceTime call. Uh, because Rich came in so late. That's that's the only explanation <laughs> I have that's, there. That's very funny. Yeah. Um no, you're right. That that's the big criticism you can have in this match is that it was there to be won. It was nil-nil. It was there. Twenty minutes to go, you put in the striker, it's sixty you know, and at the hour mark, you make the sub. The other thing is Kamara, you know, let's use Kamara more. He deputized oh, I Mitch Rich. Don't, I don't know. Hold up, hold up, Russ. Let's let, let's let's hear this out. I can hear me. Out. He I think he's a better finisher than Cavalier is, right? Cavalier is one goal in 30 matches. Okay. I know Kamara has a better rate than that in his last 30 matches, undoubtedly. And we've seen Kamara play in a central striker position in the championship last season. I remember the goals against QPR, yep. he scored the double. And he's also scored in the Premier League for us on multiple occasions when Cavalier is, you know, only scored one goal. And Kamara, I think, offers a better threat running behind. He's a more physical player. He's quicker. Not saying he starts, but I'm saying he's an impact sub. And maybe put him and Mitrich both on. And I think a really good combination we had last season in the championship was Kamara's crosses actually. Mm -hmm. For some of the best in the team. So I know Kamara gets a really short stick sometimes. People don't don't love him. But he divides opinion. I think he's worth an option off the bench, certainly more so than Cabano, maybe. So I would have See, I
2: disagree. I would have gone with Cabano. And Cabano's not a Premier League player, but if you're asking me between the two, I trust Cabano more than I, trust. yeah. I mean, Kibano. if we get a
0: free kick, sure, you put him on. Maybe you can do a quick <laughs> sub, sub, him off after the set piece, almost like a hockey substitution, right?
2: <laughs> come on, okay. that, all right, yeah. all right, very interesting stuff. Okay, so like we were talking about, Cabano does come on for Lookman, and that's very late. And then you have the shot from Mitro that just goes wide. And then you have what happened at the very end, guys, where Nguisa was trying to make something happen, and this was unfortunate. Claire, and uh we'll do this to end our discussion about talking about the match. But at the very end, Fulham actually had an opportunity. And I can't blame on here, but his shot gets blocked at the very end. It comes right to him. And, oh, this was frustrating because I'm thinking we can get all three points. What, what was going through your mind when you watched this situation at the very end? You have Nguisa just keeps running and the ball drops to Aynon and unfortunately it got blocked.
3: I think, I think this is where the jaded Fulham supporter comes to mind, and I just really didn't think that anything was going to happen <laughs> with it. To be honest with you, I'm so awful. Aren't okay. I? I hate to say it, but honestly, you know what? I, I, I mean, I'm usually really positive, but you are. it just felt like. It wasn't gonna be our day to set the world alight it just yeah. that's what it felt like to me. You know it just felt like one of those games. It was more of a vibe than yep. than anything based on skill. It was more just you just felt like it was gonna be a nil nil. I think you just felt like we weren't gonna get that little piece of magic at the end um it would have been beautiful if we did but but yeah. But, you know, uh, just going back to what Max said, uh, as much as, I, you know, I am a bit um, down on Mitro at the moment and I hate to say yep. it because I want him to prove me wrong. I really do. Right. But it was funny, Max, what you were saying, um, you know, on that hour mark, Mitro should have been on because I clearly remember saying to my daughter, Fliss, uh, it was the 65th minute. And I, I remember looking at Fliss and saying, we need mitro on you know and and i think you know had had he come on in the 60 65th minute i do think that game would have changed and i don't think that we would have been talking about aina's blocked shot in the right. 91st minute or whatever it was we would have been probably talking about mitro's one maybe two goals <laughs> um yeah
2: well that's a good point there claren and, and uh max i want to get your thoughts on this because when you look at this and you, Again, this is something that Amelia and I talked about. I'm curious your view on this. The approach. Scott Parker, at times is conservative. At times he's reactive. Here was an opportunity to be proactive, and I don't think he was proactive here. I thought instead I thought he just decided to just stay with what was going on and see it out instead of trying to make something happen. You know, and again, this is going to be a criticism of Parker. I needed him to be brave here. I needed him to try to change the game. Why didn't he try to change the game, Max? And I think he's done, honestly, he's proven me wrong. Scott Parker's proven me wrong, okay? He's completely proven me wrong. But here's an opportunity to be proactive and change the game. And there's an argument to stay with the players that you have to believe in your players. But there's also an argument to go for the win. And instead, I hate to say it, we were playing not to lose. And I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like to play not to lose. There's a time and place for that. This is not the time and place for that, Max. There's a, this is a time and place to go and F and win the match. And you need a player that can do that. And I think they still have that.
0: I don't know if I feel as strongly as you do in that sense. I think I was frustrated with the lack of substitutions until late on, but I don't view it as, as a negative thing. I think, frankly, he was happy with the team we had out there and he wanted to stick with them. And I'm sure them, that was
2: his view of And it, he was pleased with right.
0: it. It wasn't as if we had to chase a match. and It, was going, it wasn't like it was going horribly wrong. I think we we're still no. creating some opportunities. Yes, I would have liked to see Mitra on earlier. But I think a part of me also says that, is there any guarantee Mitra on earlier would have made a difference? I like to think it would. But again, we're not seeing the same Mitra we have in, in past months or years. I truly, honestly, don't think he's fully fit. And hopefully that comes with time in the training pitch. But he just does not look up to the speed of the Premier League at this moment in time. Okay. And maybe so Parker does that gamble, this right?
2: As well. Maybe that's a factor. I don't and, know.
0: And I did make the joke about you know him not being there, of course, because of the coronavirus protocols. But I do think you cannot underestimate the fact that not having his presence on the touchline did make a difference. Yep. Even if you know he's still in constant communication, sure. I still think having Parker on the touchline will motivate the players more than you no, know, no, it's a good
2: point. being passed on to Matt. It's, so a good, it's a good point that he's not there. And, and yes, you know, listen, I'll be the first to admit that I've been critical of Parker because, again, he wasn't my choice. But I will also give him a huge amount of credit for building this team. He's built a team. He deserves all that credit. But I think it's also fair for me to criticize him when I don't agree with some of the decisions that he makes. And this is one of them. He didn't make a decision because he went with what you just said, Max. He probably liked the team that he had, and he just stayed with it. Whereas I would like, again, maybe it's just personal preference. I'd like a, a manager to be more proactive. Savisa was more proactive. And, again, maybe that, maybe I'm still, still living in the past with Savisa. I don't know. But <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. That's where I'm coming from on that. Okay, guys, to end the show. Actually, actually, I, I had someone comment about this, and and uh, I think it's fair that that we talk. We talked about this a little bit Be- before we go to man of the match. I want to get both your view on Ruben Loftus Cheek. I think we talked about it a little bit. Max, your view on Ruben Loftus Cheek? How does he fit?
0: I think he fits best as a player coming off the bench. I don't think he deserves to start for us. He's not shown enough in the final third, which is I think we really need him. I think we're I think we're set in terms of holding midfielders, Lamina and Gisa. Those are starters for me. I think loftus cheek is someone who has the potential to play in attacking midfield role and contribute goals and assists. But it just seemed every time he had the ball in an attacking position yesterday, with the exception of that cross to Lookman, he didn't quite have enough composure. He was might have been a bit too slow, not on the same wavelength as other players. So not a starter for me.
2: Okay. Claire, what are your thoughts on Ruben Loftus-Cheek? And we've talked about this before. Some players that come on loan, maybe they're just simply loan players. Do you think that he's bought into being at Fulham? And what's your view on him and his role with Fulham?
3: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree, Max, with everything you just said. I just don't find him very impactful. I think that's probably the fairest way of putting it. I think there's moments that he does – bits and pieces on the pitch but overall he's not terribly impactful I think you know you you'd, um, uh, what, what is he 24 25 you know he's sort of learned his trades now he should yeah. be better for the age that he is I would I agree say with that. Um, and I think you know uh, if you didn't know the age of him, you'd probably think he was a younger player because he doesn't seem to commit as much. Yep. And you might think that he was sort of younger and still learning and maybe not as confident or what have you. I think, I just, I just don't find him very impactful. I think that's just the fairest way to say it. Um, I, I could quite happily not have him in, in the Fulham team.
1: Okay. Um, and and I there mean, are
3: other fans
2: that feel that way, Clarence. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why, this fan sent us this message because he wanted us to talk about it, and uh, because he's not the only one. And I and I hear see this all over the place. You know, even I saw Mike Gregg, our, our co-host, mention Ruben Loftus Cheek. So again, it's it's a it's a fair topic. I I look at his ability, and I've seen him in the past, and think, well, we're gonna get that player. We just haven't seen that player. And I and and I think that's why everyone's. Disappointed. We just have not seen that player. Mm. And yeah. uh and I hope that we do, but I understand the frustration when it comes to Ruben Loftus cheek. And that goes against, you know, again, we're I was gonna end with talking about man of the match, and of course, then we just started talking about this. But I understand why fans want us to talk about uh Ruben Loftus cheek. But mm-hmm. guys, let's end with man of the match. You guys have already said who your man of the match is, so so we'll do this quickly. Max, why isn't Gieser your man of the match?
0: The way he carries the ball forward is just an amazing attribute. You know, I was having a conversation with my family, and I said the comparisons to Dembele, I think, are pretty accurate. The way he wins the ball back, you know, Dembele was gliding across the pitch. Everything looked effortless. But Nguisa, I think, just works so hard. And the, the 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 power he has, I think, is the most impressive thing because he can muscle off two or three players and then play a nice one-two, switch the play, start that counterattack. He did that multiple times against Southampton, just take it from essentially the edge of his own box in a place where I'm like, please don't, don't lose the ball. And he just, he holds onto the ball so well. He can just shrug players off. Um, And he's impressed me because I was someone who was not a fan of his two Mm -hmm. seasons ago. And he's completely won me over. Uh, First name on the team sheet, I think for me in this Fulham team. Uh, Okay. And I I agree with that.
2: I, I think he's been Fulham's player of the season. All right. Over to you, Claire. Why? yeah areola you you picked ariola i i think i know yeah. why but
1: yeah well
3: i would just like to say um anguisa is probably my uh my very close very close second man of the match but ariola for me i just think he's he's consistent he gives me great confidence and faith watching the team and obviously he gives the team great faith and confidence they can get on and do their stuff because they know <laughs> ariola's doing his stuff but i think you know that that um that 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 free kick save he he made was was quite fabulous yep um and he kept us in the game i think quite significantly three three times I would say you know that they were significant saves um in the in the game so yeah he's he's my man at the moment
2: okay very good all right well great show guys I really appreciate both of you doing this show Claire it's been a long time thank you so yeah. much for coming back on I I miss you uh, you know it's funny you and I message back and forth but I don't get a chance to, to say this I I miss you Claire please come back soon.
3: I will. Thanks for having me, guys. I really really enjoyed it. <laughs> well Cheers. good.
2: Well good. And Max Max, you're you're Max. You know, it's <laughs> it's you know, basically I just uh I just turn the show on and and, and you do your thing. So <laughs> I, I, I don't have to say anything else. I, I, I praise you enough. <laughs> <You're too laughs> <kind. You're
0: too laughs> kind, All
2: right, great show, but guys, let's do wrap this up for my good friend Claire, and my good friend Max. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in.